Let's go right into the Word of God. I want to read to you some introductory statements. If you've ever asked Jesus Christ to forgive your sins, He's rescued you from eternal condemnation and given you a new life. Your salvation isn't dependent on anything you have ever done or will ever do. Rather, it's God's gift to you. Secured by Christ's death and resurrection, this is the gospel. The good news of happiness, Isaiah 52, verse 7 says, and I love what Luke 2, 10 says, the good news of great joy. Matthew 13, 44 says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered it up. Then in his great joy, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field, that moment in that story what's interesting if you read Matthew chapter number 13 there are several different parables within Matthew 13 however this particular parable there was only one verse for this entire parable and I was just amazed at the hidden truth that is found within this scripture I want you to imagine with me now now I grew up in Los Angeles California in Long Beach California and so I'm a city boy uh, just because of how I grew up most of my life then I moved up to college to the Bay Area nearby San Francisco, a town called Santa Clara, San Jose, in that area. And I was there for a few years, and then God uh, moved us from California. I was getting married, and I was starting my first uh, full-time pastorate and in Hot Springs, Arkansas, so that I can drive the Asian population up by one. <laughs> and there I was, and God allowed us to serve there for 10 years, and I fell in love with uh, natural beauty. Arkansas is known as the natural state. Mountains, uh, the Ozarks, and hot springs has lots of natural hot springs water. And so I was sort of like the city boy who never really grew up in the country in any sort or had the opportunity uh, to camping for me was roughing it at, you know, some hotel uh, as long as without certain pleasures of life. I mean, it was just not the same for me, but I've always enjoyed the concept. And then moving to Arkansas, I really just had a love for the, the outdoor living and the farm and all that. Don't get me wrong. I still love my comfortable bed and all that stuff, okay? But it gave me a greater appreciation, and I fell in love, and I just had this heart's desire. I just thought to myself, Nancy, I thought, you know, it'd be cool if I had five acres somewhere. And I lived on a farm, and give me some goats and some chickens. Now, you ask me what I would do with it, I have no idea. <laughs> I just want goats and chickens, Sanjun, that's all I want. And so I just, I had this sort of dream in my mind, and then and God, God didn't give that to me, but I was able to relive that in many different ways. And I will tell you the story because it brought that to attention this week when I had the privilege of going out to a field, I just needed to to talk to God over some things, and uh, this wasn't one of those great weeks of my life, and so I just was struggling and praying, and I went to a field nearby off of 66 here, just walking, talking with the Lord, and I was, it, it just brought back some moments of what God was doing in my life, and the story, it caused me, I knew what I was preaching because this is a sermon series, this is uh, the third message of our uh, series, it's a four-week sermon series, and when I was going through, walking in that, on that property, imagine with me this, this five acres right off of here, 66, go all the way down uh, towards um, Oslo and, and uh, whatever that road is. So I'm, I'm walking in an open field. There's no houses but a future development. I'm, and then I was relating to the story just because of what God was doing in my heart. And 
and, I, and you stumble, pretend now, that I get to stumble upon some hidden treasures. And it was an empty lot, and nobody bought the property yet, and I found this treasure, and I go, and I notice a speck of dust, and it's gold, and I dust it off, and I grab a hold of it, and lo and behold, there were diamonds, and there was gold in a treasure in a field, and my face just got lit up, and I'm like, boo, yeah, this is awesome. I can't wait to tell something. No, no, don't tell anybody. I got to go buy it because nobody owns this land. It's all for sale, and so I'm thinking, how much is it going to cost? And let's just say the cost. I didn't investigate. I'm just paralleling the, the, the story, and then all of a sudden, I just decide, all right, I call the realtor, and Tamara, they say it costs $50,000. I'm like, that's a lot of money, but the gold, the diamonds, the silver, all of this is probably worth more than $50,000. And so in my minute intelligence, I say to myself, I know it's going to be worth it. If I can just sell everything that I have, Brett, and I can just buy that piece of property, I know that my investment will be greater. My return will be greater than the investment. Does that make sense? This is the story of Matthew 13. A man goes out to the field, and he's, he stumbles along, and he finds a hidden treasure. He sells everything that he has. And the Bible says, and with great joy, he comes back, and he buys the property. And wouldn't you know, it was worth more. And I want to say to you, my friend, the, the discovery of the treasure found in the Lord Jesus Christ is far better than rubies and gold and silver and diamonds. Lady Gaga doesn't have enough diamonds for that song. Compared to the love of God and what he has, the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Being saved from your sins is not about you giving to God. It's about God giving to you. God, greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life. Jesus Christ gave you his life. What a great gift. The Bible says in Romans, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Wow, God, you're amazing in this story of this principle that we're talking about. Last week, we talked about a heart of repentance, giving your heart back to God. Symbolically, metaphorically, we came and we dropped it in to acknowledge to God, God, we're, we're, it's the story of the prodigal son where we return and we give our hearts back to you and you have open arms to love us, to receive us, to, to call us unto yourself because we are a redeemed child of God and your favor has never changed because you're an everlasting God. You're unchangeable, unmutable, you're glorious. Oh God, you're am amazing. Your love and your relentless pursuit of me. Jim Elliot said this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. So in this story of a man who discovers a buried treasure, the gain is much greater than for what he will lose. Some believe in this passage speaks of people finding the treasure of Christ. Many believe it speaks of Jesus giving his life to obtain the treasure of his people and for his kingdom to rule. In either case, it certainly portrays the joy of finding eternal treasure with value that far surpassed the cost of obtaining it. God sees our faith 
and our finances as inseparable. God sees our faith and our finances as inseparable. I want you to take that phrase, and we're just going to keep going down a couple layers of understanding this truth. There's a fundamental connection between our spiritual lives and how we think about how we handle money. The Bible says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, there's a correlation, there's a direct connection between the spiritual realm and and our finances. God ties it in for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. When I introduced this message series a couple of weeks ago, I said to put your right hand over your heart, but for some of you, you cannot put it here. You have to put it here because your wallet and your pocketbook or your purse, you're holding on to That is where your heart really is. An old preacher, country preacher, would say, show me your pocketbook and I'll show you what you value and what you treasure. Show me your checkbook and I'll show you what you value, what you treasure. No one in the story of John, in in, in John giving explanation, he carries out a couple of layers of this story and I love many ways that he paralleled and And I love even in Luke how Luke writes about the story of Zacchaeus. Now, I like Zacchaeus because the story of Zacchaeus is he was a wee little man. (laughs) And I am not tall like Sam Veal. I am a wee little man compared to him. And so in the story of Zacchaeus, you know, that's my boy. I can relate to him just a little bit. Luke says this about In the writing of Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, do you know the story of Zacchaeus? The Bible says he climbed up into a sycamore tree. Here he is, just a little little guy, and he's got to see above everybody else who's uh, head and shoulders above him. And so he's looking because he wants to get a good glimpse of Jesus. And so here he is, and of course Jesus would notice him. He's like, man, you building a fort up there? What's going on? And Zacchaeus says says this, and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone or anything, I restore it fourfold. That was the heart of a man that wanted eternal life, that wanted to enter into a relationship with Jesus, but the way that he thought about it was a direct correlation to his money. You can't separate the two. Now, I love what next Jesus says in Luke chapter number 19 and verse number 9 and 10. And Jesus said to him, he says, here's all my money. Take it all. And if I've defrauded anyone, I'll return to them fourfold. But Jesus says this in verse number 9. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to your house since he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Isn't that amazing? Here he is saying, take my money. I would always tease whenever you, I don't know if you've ever gone to a really good restaurant and, and, and someone makes something that's so awesome. It's like, they jo- there's a hashtag, take all my money, will you? Because <laughs> it's so good. It's like, ah, I, I want to eat everything off of this menu. Zacchaeus 
entering into the presence of, of the Lord. Take all my money. Take it. And if I've defrauded anyone, I'll return it to them fourfold. And Jesus says, oh, you have a repentant heart. That was what last week was all about. It was, it was a heart of repentance and recognizing that in the presence of God, God doesn't really want your money. It wasn't about the money. It was about him coming into your life, him being your father, him, you and him entering into a relationship. And Jesus knew it and said, salvation has come into your house. I love the story that we uh, talked about when we were doing our Acts series. By the way, we're coming back to that. But in our Acts series, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about biblical generosity. And we talked about how we as a church, what happens when we practice biblical generosity? We just want to give back to, to God, to the people of God, to the kingdom of God, to the community of God. And so in our church and in, in just our two services, God, God's people came together and said, we want to show biblical generosity. And this church raised nearly $10,000, not in a tithe, not in, a, uh, in our weekly giving, but far above, just in a special designated offering. We brought foods and bags and clothing, and we were just giving it all to the community. Why? Because we were trying to practice biblical generosity. When the book of Acts, when the people of Jerusalem were saved, during that day, something happened in their heart. They wanted to give it all to God. You see, there's a co direct correlation between God and the kingdom of God and giving of your heart. When you give your heart, you are giving the treasures of your heart. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So when you give to the kingdom of God, everything that you do in my name, if you give water in my name, you're doing it for the kingdom of God. If you visit the fatherless, if you visit the poor, if you visit the widow, you are doing it in the name of Jesus. If you are helping anybody because you, are, you love God, you are doing it in the name of Jesus and you have kingdom credit. How's that? Wow, I get kingdom credit. What does that mean? Kingdom coins are being redeemed for you in heaven where moth and dust doesn't corrupt. We see that in the book of Ephesus, the same thing was happening. In the book of Acts, the Ephesians, there, were, there was these Ephesian occultists. They proved, they got saved, they were practicing the occult and different religion and twisting up the gospel. And so when they had, they had a library, a slew of books, when they got saved in Acts 19, they burned all of their books that were, according to scholars, worth millions in our equivalency. You see, when you have a heart of repentance, the value of the treasures of earth pales into comparison of the value of the kingdom of heaven. In stark contrast, we notice the widow. It's not about millions. It's not even about thousands. It's not about even about being a millionaire, billionaire, thousandaire, or even hundredaire. In Matthew 12, 44, the poor widow gave two mites, two coins. You see, it's not just about what you give, it's about what you have left over. This widow woman 
only had two pieces. You see, just because you're wealthy and you give the equivalent of what the widow woman gave, you can't claim that you're a giver in the context of heaven. Because Jesus rebuked the publicans and those that were watching, and they were, he, he rebuked them. He says, this woman has given out of the poverty of her abilities. She didn't have anything, but yet this was greater than. So if you are wealthy, if you will, on, in, in heaven's or in, on earth's record, just because you give $100 and someone else gives $100 that wasn't of the same value, that meant more in the kingdom of God than in your currency. God says it's a matter of the heart, a matter of the heart. And so this woman who gave all she has, the greatest, in stark contrast, Jesus spoke of a rich man who spent all of his wealth on himself. He planned to store up for early retirement and easy living, and God called this man a fool. The greatest indictment against him is the proof was in his spiritual condition. He was rich in himself, but he was not rich in the Lord. How so? Well, was it not the Lord Jesus Christ who tested him, who came in Matthew chapter 19 to this rich young ruler, and he says, the rich young ruler says to him, Master, good master, what must I do? Amen to that, baby. This master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus knew, and the Bible says uh, that within, within this context, Jesus went straight to his heart. Don't, don't placate me. Don't, I know your heart. He knows the heart. He wasn't asking a general question like, Lord, tell me. Philosophize with me a moment. How can I inherit eternal life? Jesus went straight for the heart. That's why in this series it's called Heart Habits because we're going straight to your heart. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So Jesus says to this rich young ruler, he says, sell all that you have and give your goods to feed the poor. <laughs> I can't do that. I'm about to go into a seizure. Jesus knew at the core of his heart that was not what he really meant. What he meant was a different answer, and Jesus answered the core of his heart. The story, in this story of this rich young ruler, Jesus knew that the man could not follow Jesus until he dethroned the idol of his heart. Do you remember what we said last week? That if mammon has your heart, an idol, if you think about money more than you think about God, you might be infected by the spirit of mammon and there might be a stronghold in your life. Remember that? The boy, the, the son was thinking so much about money and his inheritance, he just couldn't wait to receive the money from the father. Finally, he demanded of it and went away into a far country. And the Bible says he came to himself after he spent all that he had in righteous living and lived among the pigs. And then he thought to himself, I gotta go back to my father. I love this story because there's another scripture that ties into it. It says, to return to your first love. 
Return back to the Father who is going to welcome you with open arms. And then remember, you already took the blessing. You already took the inheritance. But what happened to the Father, to the Son? He said, go kill the fatted calf. Here's my ring. Go put a ring on it. Beyonce, hey, here's this. Here's a robe. Here's everything else. Throw a party because my son has come home. My son, give me your heart. Proverbs 1223 that we read. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. That's why this is a heart habit. How is your heart? The story, back to the story of the hidden treasure. I want to pity this man a little bit, but I don't because he was very wise. He went and he recognized that the the value, the expense, the investment Dan, the investment of that land, the greater return was going to be achieved. But yet here we are in Christian living when God says that I will give you life, I will give you eternal life, and I will give you life more abundantly, and we will not trade that in with God. We constantly hold back from God. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, running over, will men give unto your bosom. Give and it shall be given unto you. He that waters himself also will be watered. You reap what you sow. If I sow one apple seed, am I going to get one apple? I am going to get a tree. You see, when you invest into the kingdom of God, God has given us, the Bible says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Imagine all of these things that God has now given to me. We'll just pretend that there are 10 of these. And so, of all of this that God has given me the privilege of stewarding, can everyone say steward? Steward. The earth is the Lord's and all, and th- everything is God's. This belongs to God. And God, Steve says this, according to the principles of Scripture, that he is only, he's not asking me for all of it. Who's given it to me? God. But he's not asking for all. He's only asking for a portion, a tenth. Another word that's used throughout the Bible is the word tithe. It's the principle of the tenth. Just one of these. Just as as a means to acknowledge that I recognize that this does not belong to me, God says, so that you can show and prove that, just give me one back. I can't, ima- I can't even imagine that. It's, I have the better end of the deal. This doesn't even belong to me, Javon. And then all of a sudden, God says, here, I'm going to let you keep 90 and just give me 10. What? That's cray-cray. God is amazing, but yet that's in the goodness of God. He's literally only asking for one in exchange. So in the principle of the tithe, he's only asking for one. What a way to just honor God in obedience, to just say, well, if that's all you ask, God. Now in Scripture, throughout Scripture, God wants us to give out of a joyful heart, not out of a grudge like, oh, I don't want to, all right, 10%, it's law. No, Give out of a heart of gratitude. The Bible tells us that we should give joyfully. 
to the Lord. And I want you to notice in Matthew 13 this, what this man did, because this is an interesting part that we talk about, we, joyful giving, but listen to the words of this man. In Matthew 13, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a hidden treasure in a field, which a man found, and then he covered it up. I love these next few words. Watch this now. Then in his joy. Oh, my goodness, these treasures that he found over here laying in this field, they were far surpassing to the glory of God. So he's like, this is okay because the investment that I'm going to make is going to yield a greater dividend. That's why God tells you, he says, I urge you, I test you, I ask you to prove me, Malachi 3, verse 10 says, prove me therewith, saith the Lord of hosts, that if there, I will not show you. God wants to show you that he wants to bless you as you give into the kingdom of God and honor and recognize that he just wants, just one. How many nails? Just one. Just, just one nail. God just wants one, a tenth, a portion to signify that you recognize that everything belongs to him. So this man gave joyfully. He gave joyfully. You and I can give joyfully as we recognize that none of this belongs to us to begin with. If we miss out on his phrase, on the phrase joy, we miss everything in, within this context of scripture. The man wasn't exchanging a lesser treasure for greater treasures out of a dutiful drudgery, but out of joyful exhilaration. Ooh, he was excited because he knew, oh man, I gotta cover this up because this is unbelievable. This is amazing. Now I gotta do everything I can so that I can buy this piece of property. I was telling you about my week, one, not one of the greatest weeks in my life. Several days in a row, I wanted to hashtag punch the devil in the face. <laughs> and I just had to talk to God and just had to walk in that field and just let him minister to me. And I cried out to the Lord and, and God had to arrest me many times of this week, of just recognizing that I have a calling to just live for God, just like you and I do. That's not my calling only, that's God, your calling as well. But I had another calling after my salvation, I was saved at the age of 10, came to know the Lord in Southern California, privileged to receive the gospel in my home. My brother heard the same gospel, rejected it, I accepted it. And now I'm a preacher. Been serving in ministry now for full-time pastoral ministry for 18 years. Love every moment of it. God's called us overseas. God, God brought us back to Florida and just trying to, just trying to understand all that God's doing in my life and trying, just trying to walk in his, his understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. He's trying to walk in that. God took me to a passage in the Gospels where everything around the disciples were chaotic. Winds and storms, trials and tribulation, but yet Jesus was at peace in the midst of that storm. And I was taken back to a reminder of my hope and my joy should not rest in my exterior, but should rest 
at the center of Jesus. I love the song, Jesus be the center of it all. This is my center. Humanly speaking, this is my cross. At the center of that is my heart. Here's my heart, God. And you are the owner of my heart. I have given my heart to you. I have given my life to you. I'm going to walk in your goodness and your expectation. I know the plans you have for me, plans to prosper me and not to fail me, not to harm me, not to hurt me. So I was reminded as I had to rebuke the devil who tried to place hurt and blame and accusations in my own heart and just wrestling with that. But I bet I'm not alone this week, am I? Where's your heart? Because at a, in a church our size, I bet you've had those days and those struggles. I, I hope you didn't mind me being real with you. Is that okay that we're real at church? Me telling you that I had some struggles this week? Because pastors have struggles. I had to be reminded as I was bringing this message, standing in a field, that I don't live for the temporal, I live for the eternal, which means I live for the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, and I am at his beck and will to do as he moves and plans according to his divine purpose. Where's your heart? It's a matter of the heart. In this parable, Jesus is appealing to what we do value. We value temporal, earthly treasures in order to make an analogy about what we should value, which is eternal, heavenly treasures. We should think on the treasure of the hidden field in Matthew 13 as representing the true and lasting treasures we find in Jesus, the gospel and God's eternal kingdom. Any earthly treasure we part with to obtain the far greater treasure is well worth the exchange. Matthew 6.19 tells us this, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroys and where thieves break in and steal, and then he tells us, here's what you need to do, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth and rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Then he says in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There's an old song, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. Somewhere beyond that golden shore, I am laying up for myself kingdom credits. Because if I live for the applause and well-being of myself, my, my family, and 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 love of man, it would be all in vain. But if I do that in the name of Jesus, God says that I have eternal rewards awaiting for me. So can you ask where you're laying yourselves treasures? Is it? Is it on earth or is it in heaven? It continues to say this, which is amazing. It may not be on your scripture screen there, but it's Matthew 6, verse 19, all the way down. I just finished verse 21. Verse 22 says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. 
God taught me it's about your perspective, your, your vision. What do you see? You see, if your eye has been damaged and hurt and you have no vision, you will not see correctly. And if your spiritual eye has been damaged, you will not see correctly. That was a, that was a spiritual application that God taught me in this scripture, almost in contrast to what he was trying to teach me just about hidden treasures. So then it continues to say this, if your eye is unhealthy, that means if you have the wrong perspective, your whole body, your whole body is going to be infected. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So that means if you're seeing with the wrong perspective, if you're leading your family with the wrong perspective, husbands, if you're leading your, your wives and your children with the wrong perspective, leaders in your, in your businesses, in your homes, in the church, if you're leading with the wrong perspective, you are doing damage because your eyes are bad. Get the right perspective. If then the light is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Verse 24, watch this now. No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other. Remember what I said last week? You cannot serve God and mammon, money. If your perspective is on earthly things, and your perspective, your eye is not on heavenly things, then you are being infected with the spirit of mammon. You will either love the one or hate the other. You will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, money. When, what, here's what Jesus warns us. Jesus warns us not to store up treasure on earth. It's not because wealth might be lost. It's because wealth will always be lost. Either it leaves us while we live or it leaves us when we die. No exceptions. No exceptions. When you die, you can bury all the treasure with you in your casket you want, but you, it is only going to stay here on earth. So you've got to evaluate that and check your spirit and say, where am I giving kingdom rewards and credit? Civil War time, during the, a period of the Confederate and the U.S. currency during the Civil War, if you had Confederate money afterwards, if you did not exchange it beforehand, afterwards, it was of zero value. Can I go ahead and give you a warning? The currency that you're living for is not going to be worth anything. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. The little, little, minute, minute lifespan. The Bible says that the average lifespan is three score and 10, 70 years. That pales in comparison, in contrast with all of eternity. When you are going to be in heaven with streets of gold, holler at your boy, my streets are made out of gold when the gates are going to be made of pearl, when the sea is sparkling like a diamond, crystals, when the glory of the Lord, you don't even need the sun, the S-U-N, because the glory of the S-O-N is going to shine it all. Oh, it's, you're, going to, you're going to remember, man, how come I was living for the temporal? I love scripture. It says that in one version, it says, in my father's house are many mansions. 
I finally get to have a mansion. I love another translation. It says, in my father's house are many rooms. Either way, I get to be with Jesus for all of eternity. All of eternity. Jesus functions here as the foremost. I love this. I love this. I love this. Jesus is offering eternal investment advice, the greatest financial advisor. If you have a 401k, 401b, 403b, 562, 772, 538, that's just my phone number, sorry. (laughs) Whatever it is, whatever you have, listen to Jesus for a moment. Jesus is offering us wealth management advice. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Go ahead and store it up. Jesus functions as the foremost market timer. He instructs us to transfer our funds from a fallen earth, which is ready to take a permanent dive anyways. Walls, no walls. Government shutdown, no government shutdown. Wars, rumors of wars. I mean, China, Russia, the Middle East, Iran, North Korea, Venezuela. I'm just, easily, I can just start spinning. That's why God says, don't, don't, don't think about the temporal so much. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Which is insured by God and soon to replace earth's economy forever. Forever. Jesus not only makes an appeal of the heart, he also appeals our head. See, our heart says, this is what I love. So he goes right to the heart, but he tells our head to make common sense. This is not your home. You should be living for the eternal. Seek ye first, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Listen to this now. You can't, you can't take it with you, so you might as well send it on ahead. The government insures your deposit at every bank, FDIC, Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. That's Earth version, the federal government's version of insurance. That's on Earth. But may I tell you, you have another FDIC when you insure and when you invest in the kingdom of heaven, it's called the Father's deposit of insurance. And he guarantees that for all of eternity. God sees our faith and our finances as inseparable. So, in conclusion, where's your heart? Where is it? For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Learn to give back to the kingdom of heaven and you will see life change happen before you as he takes your heart of stone and he makes it a heart of flesh. We're gonna sing a song together. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior, we have altar workers, prayer partners that will be willing to pray with you so that you can enter into that relationship with Jesus Christ today. You can give your heart to Jesus Christ today. He will come and live and rule and reign in your heart today. If you've never asked him for the forgiveness of your sins, today is the day of salvation. If you're a believer today and you need to do business with God, 
on your right over here. Do business with God as He leads you. Where is your heart? Examine it. Determine where your kingdom credits are going. Or are they just earthly credit here on earth? Let's all stand to our feet. Church, it is time to respond. It's to respond to what the Lord's been saying and doing. It's a time to allow the Holy Spirit to seal it. To seal it. But listen to the Spirit and respond to the Spirit as we worship the Lord.
I've made have been covered by the blood of Christ for the remission of sins Lord we've been atoned we've been forgiven help us to live in freedom Lord and to recognize you as our living hope the only hope that lasts the only hope that counts is found in you Jesus may we go and live lives that reflect that hope that grace and that love that we have in you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.